Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to today's episode of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I thank you for giving me some of your time today, and I hope this episode finds you well. Today is the taste episode of our Sense series, looking at sayings that are related to the mouth in some way. I have no ado, so let's bite right into today's phrases, origins, history, and more. First up today is, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. This one is used to say you're really hungry, but it's hyperbole, as no one can actually consume an entire horse. Why do we use horses to indicate our level of hunger, considering horses aren't eaten everywhere and there are much larger animals out there? Well, the saying started out in the 17th century as being so hungry you could eat a horse behind the saddle. There is some debate as to what this meant exactly. The two main ideas is that it either meant someone was so hungry that they could eat the horse through the saddle, or they could eat the backside of the horse, the part behind the saddle. The earliest print usage I found of this version of the saying was in a collection of English proverbs, written in 1678 by John Ray, an English naturalist. He included, quote, he is so hungry he could eat a horse behind the saddle, end quote. He offered no context or source, which implies that it was already in use before this time, since he was including it in a collection of proverbs, but that doesn't help us find the true origin or determine exactly which meaning it was supposed to have. This saying most likely has more to do with the circumstances in which people might have eaten horses in old-timey times rather than the size of a meal a horse would make. I've never eaten horse, but I've heard it can be quite a tough meat to eat, which makes sense, as they are muscular work animals, not animals raised for consumption. If people had to eat horses because they had no other choice, not because they wanted to, then it was most likely because they couldn't afford other sources of food and were only eating the horse to avoid dying of starvation. So since it was mostly eaten as a last-ditch attempt at survival, saying you were hungry enough to eat a horse could have just meant you were poor and starving. If you're hungry enough to eat through a saddle just to get to the meat, that would also imply you're starving. So while the exact origin and the knowledge of how the saying got shortened seem to be lost to history, the idea behind it is fairly straightforward. Now let's move on from a lean animal to something a bit more fatty. To chew the fat means to chat with someone. This one is somewhat the opposite of the last, whereas eating horse might mean you were poor, having lots of fat to chew on meant you were well off. Say you had a large pig to eat, or any other animal, but pigs are quite fatty, and you invited people over to see the spoils of your hard work. You might give them all a piece of the treasured fat to snack on while you all sat around and talked. Fat and chat rhyme, and you are all hanging out chatting while chewing the fat, and thus a saying was born. 
This is one theory, anyway. Another one is that sailors in old-timey times would eat fat that had been cured in salt, giving them fat to chew on. Yet another suggests that Native Americans chewed pieces of animal hide when they were relaxing, but I don't see how skin and fat would be the same thing, so I don't really buy into this one. It could also be from a time before modern bullets, when gunpowder and a musket ball were wrapped in cloth or paper that had been soaked in animal fat. You had to bite the end off to use it, and some people would supposedly chew on them just to pass the time. One other theory I found simply connects the similar motions of chewing and talking, and since chewy fat takes longer to fully masticate, it could be similar to chatting for a while. For a phrase with many possible origins, no one seems to have been able to narrow the true starting place or time down. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the first use in print was in 1885, in a book called Life in the Ranks of the British Army in India. It was written by a man named J. Brunley's Patterson, although I couldn't find out what the J stood for or who he was, but I'm assuming he was in the British Army and was stationed in India. Anyway, he defined chew the fat as basically complaining just to complain, not because there were any real problems. So really, no one can say for sure how the saying came to be but I suppose we can all keep chewing the fat about all the possible ways it did come into being. Now, let's take some medicine. To have a taste of your own medicine means that something bad you've done to others is happening to you. It's about karma, the old what-goes-around-comes-around idea. This phrase is attributed to one of Aesop's fables, so it's at least as old as the 6th century. In this story, called the cobbler-turned-doctor, we have a cobbler that isn't finding any success at his chosen profession. He put aside the shoes and started offering his services to the town as a doctor. He bragged about the antidote he had that would work against all poisons, making quite a reputation for himself. Then one day he got sick, and the king decided to test his remedy. The king poured a dose of the antidote into a cup then said he was adding poison, which the antidote would counteract. In reality, he just added some water, but the cobbler panicked because he knew his antidote was fake, and he refused to drink what the king offered him. This revealed that he was a scam, and he confessed to the king that the antidote was fake and he wasn't qualified to be a doctor. The king gathered all of his subjects and told them, quote, What folly could be greater than yours? Here is this cobbler to whom no one will send his boots to be mended, and yet you have not hesitated to entrust him with your lives. End quote. Seeing as how he didn't want to taste his own medicine, it's easy to see how this saying came from the fable. Let's continue the bad medicine theme with our next phrase. A bitter pill to swallow means hearing news that is hard to accept. Some people say this as a hard pill to swallow. But however you say it, it began in the 17th century as simply a pill to swallow. In 1668, John Dryden, an English poet, wrote Essay of Dramatic Poesy, which included, quote, We cannot read a verse of Cleveland's without making a face at it, as if every word were a pill to swallow. End quote. It wasn't until the 18th century that we find it as a bitter pill. 
In 1736, Rapin Thoiris, a French historian who wrote about French and Italian history, wrote, quote, This event, which happened the 7th of September in S, was immediately followed by the relieving of time after, with the total expulsion of the French out of all Italy, a bitter pill to swallow. End quote. Hard pill comes into use in the 19th century, but since this is a taste episode, we'll stop here with the bitter usage. There wasn't anything else I could find out on this one, so let's move on to the last phrase of the day. The last saying today is bite your tongue. This one means to hold back from saying something. The literal idea behind this one is that if you hold your tongue between your teeth, physically biting your tongue, you can't say anything. The phrase itself can be traced back to the late 16th century, at least in writing. No one seems to know exactly where it came from, but it was used by Shakespeare in Henry VI, written in 1593. He wrote, quote, So Orc must sit and fret and bite his tongue. End quote. That's really all I could find, but it's a pretty popular saying, so I thought I would include it today. Now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Barbara Bradford. Here's what she said about taste. Quote, A person with taste is merely one who can recognize the greatest beauty in the simplest things. End quote. Thank you, Miss Bradford, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, Love Advice from Old Timey Times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't become a mere echo of your husband. If you never hold an opinion of your own about anything, life will be dreadfully colorless for both of you and there will be nothing to talk about. Remember that variety is the spice of life, and that the sweetest of echoes is apt to become monotonous. And now for the men. Don't drop calling her Laura or Kitty and address her as Mama or Mother in season and out of season. She is proud to be a mother, but she wants to be a wife too. Alright toppers, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnaphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. Also, check out the show notes for links to the Podfix network and to my merch store. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Last but not least, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. 
Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, I hope you enjoyed today's tasty episode. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. So since it was mostly eaten as a latch... (laughs) Nope. From a time before modern bullets were gin... (laughs) What? For a phrase with many possible orange... Oranges. <laughs> this has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com. <laughs>